You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, a nice weekend. I hope you had a nice weekend too. I was hosting the opening shows of Hump 2024 Part 1 in Seattle at On the Boards all weekend. So much fun to see people at the theater enjoying so much great, funny, interesting, challenging porn. We have a really great lineup this year. Check it out at humpfilmfest.com. Find out when Hump is coming to a city near you and don't miss it. It was also the husband's boyfriend's birthday this weekend. I couldn't be at the party, I had to be at Hump, but I did make him his favorite cake. And then on Sunday night, he and I, me and the husband's boyfriend, sat down in front of the TV, just the two of us, because Terry didn't want to watch what we were going to watch, what everybody on Sunday was going to watch. And we had special snacks and drinks and split a pot gummy between us because I'm a lightweight, I can't do a whole one myself. And then we settled in on the couch together. For one of those shared television experiences, one of those old school destination TV events, like Roots, or The Day After, or The MASH Finale, or the last episode of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, or the Who Shot JR episode of Anybody getting any of these references? Anyway, TV used to crank out a lot of these kind of big mass cultural destination event television shows that brought everyone together at the same time in front of their TVs to watch the same thing. And of course, on Sunday, we were all watching Couple to Thruple on Peacock, right? That's what we were all watching, wasn't it? Hollywood Reporter offers this summary of the new dating show. Hosted by Access Hollywood's Scott Evans and guided by sex and relationship expert Shamra Howard, Always a little suspicious of a sex and relationship expert I've never heard of, but I will allow it. The show features four couples who convene with 14 singles at a tropical resort. The participating couples have until the end of their stay to decide if they would like to commit to a new third partner, commit to that thruple experience, and go home together with one of the singles, or go home as just the couple they were when they arrived, or leave separately, also known as break the fuck up. My quick non-spoilery impressions in case you were watching, I don't know, something else on Sunday night and haven't gotten around to Couple to Thruple yet. The house in Couple to Thruple is a million times more glamorous than the house in Milf Manor, my last dating reality show competition obsession. People talk on the show about vibing and they talk about their star signs about as much as you would expect, which is to say way too much. There are, again, four couples Three are opposite sex, one male same-sex couple. But the male couple isn't gay. They read gay, but one says he's bi because he dated women in the past, which is a bar I could clear. And the other says he's tri, as in up for trying anything, including women. It was hard not to read this, I'm sorry, kind of obviously gay couple's reluctance. Forgive me for the bi erasure, but it was really hard not to read this obviously gay couple's reluctance to ID as gay as evidence that being gay is kind of boring and nobody wants to just be plain old gay anymore. And in a later episode, the male couple kind of gives that away. They slip up and describe themselves as a gay couple and their relationship as a gay relationship. 
But the big problem in the show is that the people who identify most strongly as Polly, the people who kind of make Polly their whole personality, one of the singles is a Polly coach. She helps couples navigate the transition from monogamous to polyamorous, but she herself has never been in a poly relationship. That woman is just so incredibly annoying. And why is that always the case? Why are people who talk about poly the most, which I guess includes me at this point, always the ones who make poly look the worst? I think we're going to need to shut poly down until we figure out what the hell is going on, until we can locate some non-cringe poly spokespeople. And you don't find them. There aren't any right now on Couple to Thruple. Not that people looking for regular, old, one person at a time, monogamous, opposite sex love on almost all the other reality dating shows out there are any better. But no one looks at them and thinks, Hey, all monogamous people are fucking crazy, but people will look at the couples who want to be thruples and the singles who want to be thirds on couple to thruple and think, ugh, all these non-monogamous people or all non-monogamous people are fucking crazy. The one thing I did appreciate about the show, unlike most dating reality shows, it's not coy about the fucking that is going to happen. The couples are auditioning thirds for their relationships and the fucking is going to happen and it's explicit. Couples pair off with a third and they are sent back to their rooms where there is just one bed for all three people. There's no hemming and hawing, no circling around the issue here. They fuck. And you know that there's always a cuck chair meme that's making the rounds on Instagram and threads. They reproduce it for one of the challenges. All right. I'm not going to give away any more if you missed Couple to Thruple because you were watching something else on Sunday night and you enjoy deeply cringe reality TV dating shows. Couple to Thruple, streaming on Peacock, very deeply cringe. I watched entire segments through my fingers. Everyone is crazy, but not repulsively so. And I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It is a welcome distraction from the Biden news, from the Trump news, from the Gaza news, for fuck's sake ceasefire now, the climate news, all the news. Another distraction for us on Sunday night, halfway through our Couple to Thruple marathon, Terry shouted down the stairs to let us know that Taylor won. Apparently the Kansas City Chiefs, or Taylor, as we call them for short, in our very gay house, won the Super Bowl. If you're hearing that here first for the first time, you are gayer than I am. Right after Terry shouted that Taylor won, I got a message from a friend on Instagram, Kirby, thank you, Kirby, letting me know that something amazing had happened. Apparently, according to Kirby, an ad aired during the Super Bowl in which a word, I've been trying to get into the dictionary, the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, was used during this ad that aired during the Super Bowl. It's the trailer for Deadpool, the new Ryan Reynolds movie in his Marvel superhero franchise. There's a loud knock on the door in one scene and a bunch of men armed with scary looking rods, menace Wade Wilson, Ryan Reynolds character, AKA Deadpool, but he's not scared. Wade Wilson? Who's asking? Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that supposed to be scary? Pegging isn't new for me, friendo, but it is for Disney. All right. 
I did a little poking around, I did a little digging, and it turns out this did not actually air Kirby during the Super Bowl. There was an ad for Deadpool directing people to go online and watch the trailer in which you can hear Ryan Reynolds use the word pegging, but millions of Americans, the millions who weren't watching Couple to Thruple with me and Tom, didn't have to explain what pegging meant to their kids. Which is good because they couldn't do that. They couldn't look it up with the assistance of the Oxford English Dictionary because it's not in there. Not yet, but it will be someday. I went back and watched the original pegging scene in the first Deadpool movie. Ryan Reynolds and his girlfriend are on a kind of sexual adventure. They're trying everything and they're celebrating every holiday with different sex acts. And on International Women's Day, it's her turn. And she pegs Ryan Reynolds, even though they don't use, or pegs Deadpool. They don't use the word, but they do the deed. And it was very explicit. And it was, I'm sorry to say, in rewatching it, it felt very progressive when they showed it the first time. Rewatching it? Yeah, it's aborted pretty quickly. Ryan Reynolds, Wade Wilson, bails. Pegging is portrayed as uncomfortable, something the man probably isn't going to like and will have to tap out of. In reality, of course, it's usually the man who asked to be pegged and with proper prep and foreplay, he's not going to have to bail. So it's, if you watch the original pegging scene in Deadpool, it's weird to see that same character bragging later about having been pegged. But I really do want to take this moment to express my gratitude to Ryan Reynolds for using pegging in the script and the trailer and, my God, for a Disney film. And if Ryan Reynolds gets pegging into the OED by using the word in his new movie and in the trailer, I will be an even bigger Ryan Reynolds fan than I am already. All right, this Valentine's Day, we are doing a special Savage Love Live for my Magnum subs, noon Pacific time. Join me, Nancy, and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be tackling your burning questions on Valentine's Day live on Zoom. Go to savage.love slash askdan to record your question ahead of time. Or you can ask in the moment during the Zoom meetup. Magnum Subs will automatically get an email in the morning of the event. Hope to see you there. If you would like to join me and the Magnum Subs at that Savage Love Live on Valentine's Day, become a Magnum Sub now at savage.love. Also this week for our Magnum Subs, a new sex and politics drops. Tim Miller from The Bulwark joins me. We look back on our very first conversation. Tim, of course, was a high-powered Republican operative, political consultant for many years. We were bitter, bitter enemies back when he was working for Jeb Bush and John McCain. We see a little bit more eye-to-eye -eye these days. And Tim and I reconnect about our first interview in which I said, I hoped Donald Trump ran for president again, which, of course, Donald Trump is doing. Did I make that happen? Is this all my fault? That's in the new Sex and Politics coming on Thursday. Today's show on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and joining us on the Magnum, Rena Martine, sex coach, is here to talk about her new book, The Sex You Want. All that coming up on today's show. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. This episode is sponsored by Hims, affordable access to ED treatment all online. Start your free online visit today at hims.com/savage. 
Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click, print, mail, and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Enter S-A-V-A-G-E. Hi, I'm a bisexual man and my fiance is a straight woman. We'll be getting married this spring and all of our wedding plans have been set except for one major detail that we can't seem to agree on. What are we going to do under the sheets on our first night as husband and wife? Before I get to that, some context. When I first came out as bisexual to her, she confessed that she had a thing for bisexual men. As it turns out, it was more than just a thing. It was more like a fetish. Since we've been together, we've been indulging in her desire to include other gay and bisexual men. In fact, since we've been together, my fiancé, the majority of the time we've been having sex, has always included a man or men. Since I proposed to my fiancé, she has been having this fantasy about our first night as husband and wife that includes a long line of men waiting their turn to have their way with me while she watches and waits at the end. Whereas my plan is more of a romantic notion, just my wife and myself on a first night as husband and wife without any barrier between us. I also want our honeymoon to be when we first conceive our child together. That means my fiancé has to be off the pill for weeks before our wedding, and I would have to abstain. When I told her this, she said, Being intimate in our first night is nothing special that conceiving our first child together on our honeymoon was no big deal. She said this to me even though she'd been married previously and lost her virginity on her first night. She had her first child on her honeymoon. My fiancé tried to explain how important this was to her. It would be a real-life fantasy come true and not just some fake role-playing. She also pointed out that her libido was much lower than mine and the kinky sex we will be having as married would be fewer and fewer as we get older. She wants this fantasy to be her high watermark. For some context, my fiancé does have a very low sex drive, and to get her to have more sex with me, we usually always include men, and sometimes women. We also have a one-sided open relationship where I can pursue other men and women solo, but for the most part, I prefer to include my fiancé. What are your thoughts, Dan? Is there any middle ground for us? There's got to be a compromise here that you two can work out. First of all, congratulations on hitting the girlfriend, fiance, wife of a bi guy jackpot. You say that your fiance fetishizes your bi-ness to a certain extent. Sure sounds like she does. But if I were a bi guy and my choice was between a wife or girlfriend who couldn't handle the fact that I was bi or I felt like I had to remain closeted about my bisexuality or my bisexuality was something that was barely tolerated that I had to, you know, occasionally watch a little bi porn or a little gay porn and my wife didn't like it, but was willing to put up with it. Or my wife was a little too into me being bi and like to see guys fuck the shit out of me on the regular before I fucked the shit out of her and cranked her up, my low libido wife, to see me sucking a couple of dicks and made her want to suck mine, I would take that deal. I would take the wife who maybe in a problematic way fetishized my bisexuality without question over the wife 
who in much more damaging and much more problematic ways despised my bisexuality or viewed it as a problem. You guys got to come to some sort of compromise about this wedding night. Your wife has what sounds like a very common cuckold, cut clean fantasy about a wedding night where the expectation is on your wedding night, it's going to be what you fantasize about, something personal, intimate, and just about the couple. For the cuckold, or in your wife's case, cut queen in a relationship, transgressing against those norms, that expectation that a wedding night, wedding night sex should be deeply meaningful and intimate in the heart-shaped bed in a honeymoon suite in a Catskills hotel covered with rose petals, but that's not what you're doing. That's what all your guests think you're doing, but what you're actually doing is there's a long line of men waiting to fuck the shit out of you in front of your wife. And then I guess, I don't know, come running out of your hole, you're going to fuck her. <laughs> Obviously, I guess I'm tipping my hand here a little bit. I'm kind of on the wife's side. Like, why not? You only get one wedding day. Why not fucking go for it? You have plenty of time for just one-on-one -on -one intimate sex with each other when you two are living together for the rest of your lives. And the odds, you say that you have this fantasy and your fantasies are equally valid about conceiving on your wedding night. Well, your wife still might conceive even if you're having sex with her after 10 guys, after all of your groomsmen have sex with you. But even if it was just the two of you and it was intimate and tender and loving and kind of standard issue, off the shelf, cat skills, hotel, heart-shaped bed, rose petals all over it, honeymoon sex that people expect a married couple to have on their first night. Your odds of conceiving from one single discreet act of sexual intercourse, even if your wife happens to be ovulating at the time your wedding is scheduled, are very, very, very low. So it's not like a guarantee. We're going to schedule the wedding for a day we know you're going to be ovulating and it's just going to be the two of us, which might not work. You say your wife has a very low libido and sometimes it takes seeing you with a dick in your mouth to get her going. You want to conceive on your wedding night. You might have to put somebody's dick in your mouth to get her going. Then maybe you'll conceive, but the odds are really low. So because I love love and I want people to come together and I want everybody to get everything that they want, maybe there is a compromise here where you guys can still transgress against what it means to have sex on your wedding day, but there can be a line. And so what I think you should do is have a late afternoon wedding and there should be a big gay slash bi orgy before the wedding. You know, when the bride and groom aren't supposed to be together, the bride and groom will violate that norm, transgress against that norm. You and your wife will sneak off to be together with your groomsmen who will fuck the shit out of you in every position while your wife watches and gets cranked up. And then you're going to run to the wedding and get married and run to the reception and get received. And then you and the wife alone, while you still have all these other guys loads in your ass, if you're on prep, We'll go to your honeymoon suite, just the two of you. Your wife will be so cranked up by everything she watched right before the wedding that she will want to fuck you and you alone in your honeymoon suite in an intimate and loving way where she's still vibing on her cut queen shit at the end of the night. Hi, Dan. 52-year-old male here with a, with a husband and partner of 20-plus years. Of those 20 years, we've been married 10 years. Currently, we've had not had sex in 15 years. The intimacy sort of dropped out of our relationship 
10 years ago. We're like best friends living together and roommates. We have a home. We own a business. We both work for the same business. He does have family overseas, and since COVID, he has gone for extended trips and works from overseas for two months at a time, which really didn't affect us at all. I was messing around to fulfill that need without his knowledge of it, and it has gone on for multiple trips. The most recent one was the beginning of 2023, which in April of 2023, I did meet someone and we messed around, but we also formed a huge connection and we both have fallen in love. He is my boyfriend. He's met my husband. We tried a polyamorous relationship. That didn't work. My boyfriend is 21 years younger than me. The age gap doesn't bug me. Also, I I want to be with him more than I want to be with my husband. I enjoy going on trips with him. I enjoy going to dinner with him. I enjoy going to events with him more than I like doing it with my husband. But I do still love my husband. But again, it's more of a best friend relationship at this point. I'm torn because I have more in common with my boyfriend. There is an intimacy there that has developed that my husband and I do not have anymore. I feel like I'm throwing 20 years down the drain. But yet I look at in 10 years from now, are we going to be more unhappy? I don't want to hate him. He is my best friend. We've gone through a lot together, but at some point, the love just dropped out of our relationship. With my boyfriend, he can come home from from work at night. We can sit on the couch. We can just sit there and laugh. The sex is freaking amazing. We can just sit there and chat. We can talk about real estate. We can talk about so much stuff and just carry on and just have a really great time. I'm ready to ask my husband for a dissolution on our marriage. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you. You've bought into the false choice that monogamous culture presents to us, that you can either have your husband or you can have everything that you have with your boyfriend, but you can't have both. What you have with your husband sounds like a companionate marriage, and it sounds like it's been a companionate marriage for a very long time. You obviously love your husband very much. You describe your husband as your best friend. You have this long history with your husband. But you have it in your head that to be with your boyfriend the way you would like to be with your boyfriend, the way you already are with your boyfriend, means having to let go of or lose everything that you have with your husband. And that is just not true. You can have your cock and eat it too. You can have your boyfriend and your husband too. You can end your marriage with your husband and if you conscientious and compassionate about it and you extend grace to each other, you can have still the friendship with your husband that really has come to characterize your marriage over the last 10, 15 years and then be able to marry your boyfriend if that's what you want to do and turn your boyfriend into your husband. You can also stay married to the man that you're married to and have a long-term committed relationship with your boyfriend If that is acceptable to your boyfriend, if he is happy and content being your boyfriend, obviously he's content to some extent to be with and date a married man. Was his agenda that whole time to pick you off and eventually make you his husband? Or have you discussed this with your boyfriend? Is he content with the status quo? Does he like that you have this husband, that you have this long-term partnership, that all the bullshit of what it means to be a married couple incorporated around taxes and all the unsexy stuff of that kind of partnership doesn't involve or implicate him. He gets to be the fun boyfriend on the couch 
having these fascinating conversations about real estate that make you both bust out laughing. And then when it's tax time or there's a new roof that has to go on the house, those are conversations that you have with your husband slash best friend. And when that conversation is over, you climb on top of your much younger hottie boyfriend for some more amazing sex. So I'm suggesting to you that you could, everything could stay as it is and be acknowledged for what it is. And I think that might help you be more at peace. Even if just acknowledging where everything is and what you mean to each other, what your boyfriend means to you and how that is going to impact your marriage and impact your relationship with your boyfriend. If that just makes you more at peace with the status quo, you can revisit this in two or three years or your husband can decide that in two or three years he'd rather be single and still your best friend than be married to someone who's obviously in an intimate, committed relationship, romantic relationship with another man. There are three people involved here, three people whose opinions and needs and comfort levels and wants and desires all matter, not just yours. And you need to enter into negotiations with those three people about what that means. But you need to let go of this idea that's been pounded into your head that you can have your husband or you can have your boyfriend, but you can't have your husband and a boyfriend. I'm here from a husband and boyfriend future to tell you that you can't have a husband and a boyfriend. And 21 year age gap, I'm gonna sign off on that because that is literally the age gap in my relationship with my boyfriend. I am comfortable with an age gap that can buy you a drink, 21 years. Not comfortable with an age gap that can run for president. That would be 35 years. That might make me uncomfortable. Maybe I'm a hypocrite for finding that discomforting, but I'm just going to toss that out there. So you need to start having some conversations. Once you accept what is possible, your actual options here, which include having the boyfriend and the husband too, then you need to have some conversations with your boyfriend and your husband separately and perhaps together about what everybody wants. Right around Valentine's Day, lots of us try to think of ways to improve our relationships. And I'm here to tell you that your sex life and the quality of your sleep will improve with a Helix mattress. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection. That's what we got. The newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. To figure out which mattress is right for you, Take the Helix Sleep Quiz to find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door free of charge. And with Helix's 100-night sleep trial, you can try out your new mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. They offer models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side like I do. They also have models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support if you're one of those freaks who sleeps on the stomach or back plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. Helix mattresses all come with a 10 or 15 year warranty depending on the model. Helix has been declared the number one mattress picked by both GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. And again, they offer a 100-night trial and a 10 to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. And right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Go to helixsleep.com savage. With Helix, better sleep starts now. 
Hi, Dan, Nancy, and the at-risk youth. So I'm a cis female married to a cis male, and we have a little boy, like a lot of millennials who use social media. My husband and I probably both use Instagram accounts the most. So here's the question. So when I look at my husband's explore page, and oh, and that's like, we share phones sometimes. There's no trust issues. I'm not like snooping. That's not the concern. But if I... If I look at his explore page, which is like the screen on Instagram that it's not accounts that you follow, but it's like what's suggested to you. His is like almost entirely overtly sexual videos and images of young women. And they're like almost all AI or like very heavy, heavy filters or like Photoshop, like obviously. Is that normal? Because my Instagram is like, literally crafts and like art and like momfluencer. And it's like not very sexual at all. So is the feed based more off of what you interact with or is it more like profiling you? Do you guys know? I'm honestly like not asking this to try and tell if my husband is looking at soft porn on Instagram. I'm not actually, I don't really care. And he says he's not, by the way, and that he doesn't engage in that content. But I'm more just kind of like concerned that there's like the algorithm just like suggesting to men, you know, based on like you're 30 something, you're outdoorsy, you're a straight male. Like, here's all of this AI female pictures. Like, it's just concerning thinking about like my son in the future on social media, just seeing these like constant images of women that aren't actually like human women's bodies. How's that going to like shape his perception of like how he sees women? Obviously this has like always existed, but it just seems so excessive, like from looking at my husband's account. And is that like just normal? And I'm just totally late to the party and have only just discovered this. Joining me to help tackle this question, Christian Paracco, social media manager for Index Media. That is my home base and one of Savage Lovecast tech savvy at risk youth. Hey, Christian, thanks for coming on the Lovecast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. All right. So what's going on here? Is Meta figuring out who's straight out there and shoveling porn at them in their explore page or... Is this guy's explore page based on the kinds of accounts he's been interacting with and Meta's just shoving more of what he's already looking at at him? I think the first thing that you kind of have to ask is how often he's using Instagram. You know, the thing about Meta is they do use AI to curate a lot of the content that shows up on your feed as uh, suggested content and on your explore page as well. The problem with that is if there isn't a reasonable enough sample size, then the number one thing that the AI will usually go off of to fill your explore page is content that people you follow and do interact with will interact with and follow. And that's sort of the starting point for where they're filling the page. However, that's, you know, if you're using Instagram, maybe less than five hours a week, because I've found that the AI is pretty intuitive in terms of locking down specifically what types of content you're using. So after that, he doesn't even necessarily have to be interacting with content, but you know, if he's interacting with the accounts that have content on it, if he's while he's scrolling, stopping to look at a page without even, you know, without liking, without commenting, Instagram measures time on post. 
Um, so even little factors like this are going to affect what's showing up in your explore page. And the more content that shows up there, the less likely I am to believe that uh, he's not interacting with some of that content in any sort of way. Okay, so his explore page is telling on him a little bit. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a self-report here, I think. <laughs> Uh, you know, the caller asked whether this happens to gay men, and I'm really nervous to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. I like boyish men. I like boyish-looking Muppet-faced guys in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. They're out there. I like boyish men. And my Explore page, because I sometimes linger over boyish men, like a lot of Muppet-faced guys and bands in their 30s, and I'm like, totally fine. But then the Explore page, I'll look at, they'll see, it's like, oh, this is a boy. This is a 15-year-old gymfluencer. And that freaks me out. I don't want Meta assuming, because I like boyish men, that I want boyish actual boys in my Explore page, because I don't. And I feel dirty and implicated sometimes by my Explore page because of what Meta is extrapolating from my taste in boyish men and assuming about me, which is just not fucking true. Yeah, and I would say that the algorithm definitely is not perfect. You know, I have a bunch of friends who are gym rats, and uh, they follow a lot of gym content, and then their explore page ends up being a lot of buff gay content. And so it's sort of the the similar thing in the other sense. It's like, you know, the algorithm is uh, very accurate to an extent, but also is still learning and I think the further we go into uh, the future, the more accurate Meta is going to be with predicting what's on our feeds. What's our advice for this woman about the lie her husband is telling her to her face? I think that's one of those lies that you as a partner, like, I only have eyes for you, honey. Like, of course, I didn't look at the bartender or the barista. You know, you know sometimes when you're being lied to, but the lie itself is a kind of compliment or a kind of face saving or even butt covering in the case of this husband gesture. And sometimes you just like to make a long-term relationship work. You're like, okay, I'm going to believe you when you say that your explore page has been hijacked by gremlins at Meta who are shoveling AI porn at you, which you would never look at. L ladies, straight ladies, like men look, that's what men do. Men look, and it's part of male hardwiring in the brain. My mother was dying in a hospital room. I was on the phone trying to get my brother so he could say goodbye. I am miserable the worst day of my life. And a hot nurse walks across the hall and I stop everything and just watch. Like there's something about maleness that just you look, you can't help but look. And Instagram really facilitates a little bit of that casual looking around and Guys, you got to know that your explore page is going to tell on you. So if your partner looks at your explore page, you're going to get ratted out, perhaps. But ladies and people who partner with men or assigned male at birth persons, like, just get over it. All guys are constantly scanning the planet for things they think are hot, might want to fuck in some other timeline. They might be able to fuck if they weren't in a committed monogamous relationship or the other person, the thing that they're looking at, wanted to fuck them back. Like, it's just, it's a part of being alive, pumped full of testosterone and male. is constantly scanning, checking, looking. And it used to be, you did that walking down the street, you did that on the bus. You didn't leave a kind of digital trail of having done that. You didn't, like, check people out all day, go into school and work and home and, 
And then there was a line of people at your house when you got home who looked like the people you looked at sent there so you can look at them too. But that's what Meta does to us with these explore pages. Yeah, I uh, and I think more so now also social media is also being kind of used as a spank bank. You know, like I definitely know you go through my Twitter bookmarks, you go through my saved, you know, stuff on Instagram. I've got, you know, food recipes saved in there, but I've also got a spank bank folder saved in there. And, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. And uh, unfortunately for things like Meta, when you bookmark a post, that is like the number one indicator to Meta that you want more of that on your feed. And it used to be a, a private hidey place. But now if, you know, someone sees your explore page, they kind of have a general idea of what you're bookmarking, what you're sharing, what you're liking. Um, what do you think? What's your opinion as a digital person, digital native, also sometimes spank bank connoisseur, uh, a, a porn selector, I am too, uh, of these AI images? You know, leaping ahead 20, 30 years, putting on your futurist hat, do you think people who are going to be, you know, we talk about people who like me, who grew up before there was internet pornography, and the difference in the lived experience of kids who were like 13, 10, 15 years ago who grew up with so much internet pornography. Now we're talking about kids who are going to grow up with AI pornographic images. These images of, I don't know, weird, eerie perfection, plastic people, and how that might shape their tastes, or limit their options when they get out there in the real world and they have to fuck real people who don't look like AI images. Is that something that concerns you? How do you think that's going to play out? That's an interesting one. I think the number one issue for me that I see kind of happening is consent when it comes to AI generated porn. You know, there have already been issues with like streamers who are having their images used on porn sites in AI porn scenes. Taylor Swift, the AI porn controversy. Timothy Chalamet, there's AI porn out there of Timothy Chalamet. We were talking about deep fakes 10 minutes ago before we started talking about AI generated images. And, you know, it used to be that if there was video and audio, you could believe your ears and believe your eyes, but we're moving into a world where you can't believe your ears or your eyes Mm -hmm. when it comes to this tape that went around of Biden saying shit that Biden never said, but also these images of Taylor Swift and Timothy Chalamet. We're moving into a world where not only are these images of unachievable human perfection going to shape our taste and expectations in ways that may damage us as adults. We're also moving to a world where nothing is proof of anything. It's very destabilizing. And, you know, Apple just released their AR goggles this week too. And so there's implications there in the future as well of, you know, you can choose how you look to anyone who is uh, wearing these goggles, right? Like what, what does the real world even mean anymore? What, (laughs) what does real porn mean look like anymore? I think the, the line is blurring constantly between like the digital and the real. So what we're saying to this caller is you have much bigger problems than your husband's explore page on Instagram and you should stop looking at that. It's telling on him in a way he's not comfortable being told on. That's why he's lying his face off. Take the lie at face value. Take it for for the comfort that his intent is to comfort you. To like not have you tormented by the thought that he's looking at all this shit that he is definitely looking at and then suspend your disbelief. You have to do what people have always done with porn that their partners look at when they don't want them looking at porn. He pretends not to look at porn. You pretend to believe him when he tells you he pretends not to look at porn. And he needs to do a better job of covering his tracks. Occasionally getting on Instagram and looking at arts and crafts as opposed to tits and cracks. 
<laughs> Christian Paracco, social media manager for Index Media, my home base, digital native at risk youth. Thank you so much for coming on, Christian, and straightening me out about this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is sponsored by Hymns. Want to have better sex but erectile dysfunction getting in the way? You're not alone. Millions of men deal with the hardships of ED, but with Hims, there's a simpler, affordable way to get treated for ED so you can get your groove back in the bedroom at a cost you can handle. Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing access to affordable and discreet sexual health treatments, all from the comfort of your own couch. Hims provides access to clinically proven generic alternatives to Viagra and Cialis up to 95% cheaper with options as low as $2 per dose. The process is simple and 100% online, so no uncomfortable doctor's office visits. You'll get online, you'll get on their site, you'll answer a series of questions, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment options for you. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hims has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting you down, it is time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hims.com slash savage. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash savage for your personalized ED treatment options. Hims.com slash savage. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Hey, Dan. I'm bisexual, but historically I've mainly just been with women outside of the occasional hookup with men. And now that I'm in my mid-30s, I'm wanting to date more men. And I keep coming across this issue where I am attracted to them and I love the entire evening and everything we do. But then I just have a hard time getting hard. And I'm guessing that it's nerves. But I'm not really sure. It's like making me question everything that I'm feeling. The men that I do end up going home with, I find them incredibly beautiful, attractive. I love to spend my time with them. But I'm just having a hard time getting hard. And I would like to do that for obvious reasons. So if you have any advice on how I can kind of just calm down, I would really appreciate it. Well, you could address performance anxiety the way so many other people address performance anxiety in a situation like this. What you need to do is calm down. You could have a glass or two of Chardonnay. You could have a little pot, try to feel a little bit more in the moment while also feeling a little bit looser. Helps also if you're trapped in a performance anxiety, self-fulfilling prophecy kind of doom loop to give yourself permission to not get hard. And that means resetting your partner's expectations. It means these beautiful, lovely guys that you're dating, that you're going home with. It means saying to them, look, this is new for me, not just fucking around with a guy every once in a while, but kind of dating a guy and connecting with a guy and then having sex with a guy and the sex being a little bit perhaps more meaningful and having more emotional weight and significance than I used to give sex with men. So much more with women and maybe a kind of heteroromantic, bisexual identified guy at the time, and now I'm sort of becoming more biromantic. And just say to them, like, 
I'm going to have fun. We're going to have fun. I'll pay attention to your dick, but let's not count on mine right now. Let's take the pressure off mine right now. And I know that's a lot to say and it's a weird thing to say, but if the guy is as lovely and charming and sweet and into you as you say they are, hope they are, a good guy who hears that is going to be like, hey, that's fine. Relax. We can roll with it. There's lots of things that we can do if we want to fuck around that I will enjoy that aren't all dependent on you producing a rock hard erection that you can, you know, bust walnuts open with. And the magic of resetting someone's expectations and taking the pressure off your dick is that the same dick that if you went in hoping, God, I hope I get hard, God, I hope I get hard, when you shut off that, oh, I hope I get hard, hope I get hard voice in your head and you're just in the moment after having that glass of wine and maybe that little bit of pot, you suddenly get hard. Your dick shows up. Dick is perverse in so many ways. Dick is there and we're hard sometimes and we wish our dick would not be there and not be hard. Sometimes we are subjected not just to dickful thinking, but dickful manifesting in a way that is unwelcome. And then when we want our dick to be there, we want our dick to be hard. Sometimes it doesn't show the fuck up. Giving your dick permission not to show the fuck up. Getting permission from the other guy for your dick maybe not to show the fuck up that first time that you get together and have sex. Then it doesn't matter if your dick doesn't show up in the get hard sense of show up and ups the odds that your dick will get hard. Something to think about here, and maybe you want to have a couple of sessions with a therapist who's bi or gay himself. Maybe what's tripping you up is that part of you that enjoyed sport fucking with men and never had a problem fucking around with men when it didn't mean anything. Now that it might mean something because you're connecting with these guys and dating with these guys, what does that say about you and to you? And is that what's tripping you up? Is this some internalized bi-romantic phobia? Not internalized bi-phobia because you were fine as a guy who is bi, who mostly got with women and dated women exclusively, but being the kind of guy who doesn't just bone a guy every once in a while, but dates a guy, likes a guy, could see himself with a guy, that means something different, especially in our not just I don't think this is necessarily about biphobia, homophobia and homophobic culture. What is your dick saying to you about yourself at that moment? And what is your reptile brain saying back to your dick? And how do you unpack that? Maybe it's just that glass of wine or that puff of pot that'll help you disable that boner killing, self-fulfilling prophecy, negative feedback loop that's interfering with your dick, or maybe it's those couple of conversations plus that glass of wine and that puff of pot that will help shut that doom loop down. After the hype of the new year, we are all starting to settle into our new routines. But for businesses who do a lot of mailing and shipping, if stamps.com is not yet part of your routine, you have got to get moving. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. 
And the Stamps.com app is like a post office in your pocket, so you can stay on top of things even if you're always on the go. Postage rates just increased again. Luckily, Stamps.com has the best discounts in the industry with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options so you don't have to navigate all the different carriers. Use Stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale so you'll have everything you need to get started. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with the promo code SAVAGE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code SAVAGE. So I have a question about the word that you created on episode 900, polyamorous, and just the definition of polyamory in general. So um, as you explained in your definition, amory is related to love, but a lot of this sexual activity that's happening amongst polyamorous people, it's not necessarily love-driven, it's sex-driven. And especially in a situation where there's a monogamous couple cheating on each other with semi-permission, often that does not involve love, it's just sex. So wouldn't polysexual be a more apt term? Um, And then maybe tolysexual instead? I'm just confused about the interchangeability of polyamory, polysexual, when a lot of this uh, activity involves sex and not necessarily love. Polyamory. Poly, Greek, meaning many. Amory, from the Latin, amour, meaning love. Polyamory, many loves. Concurrent, committed, romantic relationships. That is how people use polyamory, how that word is defined and understood. Tolyamory? Tali from taler, the Latin root word for bear with or put up with. Amory, in this case, also from amour, but amour doesn't just mean love or loves or romantic attachment. Amour also means desire and sex relating to sexual desires or acts and also means a partner. So while polyamorous clearly means many loves in the sense of many affectionate, committed, concurrent romantic relationships. Tolyamory means putting up with your partner, the person you love. What are you willing to put up with? What sort of sex acts that they may be committing that you don't know about or they assume you don't know about or you don't want to know about are you willing to bear? One word in the English language, in Latin, in any language can have more than one meaning and can be derived from the same root word in Latin or Greek and have more than one meaning, or be referring to a root word in Latin, a more that itself had multiple meanings that were understood in context by people who spoke Latin. So in context, we understand what amory means and polyamory, many loves. In context with tali before amory, we understand that what it means is putting up with that person you love, putting up with their shit. That is what Tolly Amory means. And you know what? I'm hearing from 
marriage counselors who aren't lunatics. And yes, there are some great marriage counselors out there. I recently mentioned in a column, the marriage counselor's office to divorce court pipeline being real, that there are actually some marriage counselors out there who are terrible and toxic and espouse bullshit about micro cheating, micro infidelities and destroy relationships by making them less resilient by convincing everybody involved to count as many things as possible as cheating and also regard cheating as unforgivable. But there are marriage counselors out there who are good. A lot of them listen to the show. I want to acknowledge good and constructive marriage counselors, marriage counseling, couples counselors, therapists, you're out there. And I've heard from a bunch of you just in the last couple of weeks whose clients have come in using polyamorous to describe their relationship and introducing them to this new word that, of course, those marriage counselors who listen to my show already heard because they heard me talking about it on the show. And I think that's the best evidence that people are embracing polyamory, polyamorous, and tolly in the way that I hoped they would. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of listener comments posted on last week's show at savage.love. Says John H., I am one of those queers against gay marriage. My solution was to abolish the discriminatory privileges of marriage entirely instead of extending those privileges to same-sex couples. I was open to expanding marriage as a step in the right direction, but I stopped supporting the movement because it didn't feel like it was about creating a more just society. Marriage equality activists just wanted personally to be privileged instead of oppressed. All right, I think we all would rather not be oppressed and arguably a society that doesn't discriminate between same-sex and opposite-sex couples is more just, not as just as it could or should be, but come on, John, more just? I agree, though. There are more kinds of families out there and more ways of forming families than our current marital regime recognizes or can encompass, and there is more work to be done on that front. Says Lance, after listening to today's intro, I propose a challenge for Dan. Stop acting like viral tweets matter. The platform formerly known as Twitter has been in a death spiral for over a year now with a dwindling user base and vanishing social relevance. Dan, stop shining a spotlight on a cesspit that nobody cares about anymore. Want to find really bad takes that are being viewed by more people? Bad takes that need your intelligent rebuttal, Dan? Join TikTok. All right, Lance, you're right. I need to get on TikTok. I have always been a late adopter and very slow to adapt to new social media platforms. But yeah, the tech-savvy at-risk youth have been after me forever to get on TikTok. And maybe your comment, Lance, has finally pushed me over the edge. Finally, says Andrew, as a gay Gen X Midwestern introvert, I think putting on a butch face at the gym is the correct thing to do. Gym time means headphones and zoning out. I'm there to work out, not gossip with my friends. Also in favor, when it comes to the locker room, of having some decorum. Same, I'm in favor of locker room decorum, and I'm at the gym also to work out and zone out, not chat. But last week at the gym, the hottest guy at the gym walked up to me, and I had to take my headphones out, to tell me I needed to get with the decade we were in before it was over, and then pointed at my headphones which are on a cord because I don't have AirPods because I am, as I just said, a late adopter. I told the hot, mean gay guy at the gym that being scolded by hot, mean gay guys at the gym, not exactly an incentive to do something differently because I kind of like the attention. But yeah, maybe it's time for me to get on TikTok and get some 
AirPods 2. All right, for more listener comments and more of my responses, check out Struggle Session, a weekly bonus column for Magnum subs. goes up every Thursday at savage.love. Becoming a Magnum sub not only gets you access to Struggle Session, it is the only way for you to find out who our Muppet-faced man of the week is because that is in Struggle Session for Magnum subs every week. All right, now on to listener response calls. Hello, I was calling to respond to episode 902, the question about poly or open folks oversharing about their current situations, and I've encountered some of that myself. And so some of the screening questions that I will ask people prior to getting to know them is maybe something about their dating landscape or also asking folks about what poly resources they like and appreciate, whether a podcast or books or whatnot, to start to get a sense of their EQ around managing relationships with multiple people. And I've also been one to say, if someone brings up something that I absolutely don't want to hear about, I will be quick to cut them off and say, you know what, I don't want to hear about that right now. And their response to that, or if they did proceed to bring up that topic, you know, I let them know that that's not welcome and then I'm no longer seeing them. Oh, hey, Dan, I have a comment for the woman who was worried about faceless guys on dating apps or hookup apps. And I liked what you and your, your guest said. You talked about men and women and the danger dynamic and all that and, 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 the, and gay guys. But I don't think what was said was that what gay guys do often, and sometimes you don't do it because it's just assumed, is they put on there NPNC, no pick, no chat. And some people go further, like if you don't send a picture, she could do this. If you don't send a face picture, then I'm not responding. Hi, Dan. One thing that jumped out at me from your conversation with Ezra Klein in episode 902 was that the disappearance of Bridge from the New York Times and the emergence of polyamory are kind of ironically timed because you can't have Bridge without a foursome. And we're going to leave it there. We have three ways for you to get us your questions or comments for future shows. You can record your question or comment at savage.love slash askdan. Or you can make a voice memo on your very own phone and email us your question or comment to q at savage.love. Or you can call our landline and leave us a message at 206-302-2064. Don't forget, special Valentine's Day Savage Love Live happening for my Magnum subs at noon Pacific time, February 14th on Valentine's Day. Get your questions in early by going to savage.love and clicking on Ask Dan at the top of the navigation bar. Hope to see you there, Magnum Subs. Part one of Hump, My Dirty Not So Little Anymore Film Festival is running now, and we are taking Hump on the road. We are taking Hump all over the world this spring. There will be streaming options, but the best way to see Hump is in a theater with a live audience. Go to humpfilmfest.com to find out when Hump is coming to a city near you and get your tickets. And also, like I mentioned earlier, a new sex and politics for my Magnum subs comes out this Thursday with the Bulwark's Tim Miller. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. Follow Rena Martine on Instagram and threads at underscore Rena.Martine underscore. And check out her website where you can learn more about her work and her new book, The Sex You Want, at RenaMartine.com. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hertunian. 
me and the tech savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.